Hi, I'm Elizabeth Bast. And I'm Shapur Boogie. You're this Entheo Nation with Lorna Liana. Welcome to Entheo Nation, where we feature visionaries who are pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Psychedelic science, modern shamanism, neuroscience, new paradigm lifestyles. Get ready to harness the power of visionary states and forge reality into your wildest dreams. back evolutionary tribe to episode 23 of entheonation this is lorna liana and i want to open this episode up with a really important question for you to ponder as you listen to our interview with core boogie and elizabeth bast a visionary couple who will share with us their experience working with iboga how it healed core's heroin addiction for good and saved their partnership they're going to share with us their thoughts on drug policy and conventional treatment for heroin addiction the difference between iboga and ibogaine the benefits and risks of using iboga and how to use iboga responsibly as well as how to evaluate the best iboga provider for you so before we dive into this very in-depth conversation around using Iboga for heroin addiction treatment, I want to invite you to ponder this. If heroin is illegal, why is OxyContin legal? OxyContin is America's best-selling painkiller, and the company that makes it, Purdue, reaped $31 billion in revenue. OxyContin is a prescription-based painkiller that contains oxycodone, which is an opioid drug like morphine, codeine, heroin, and methadone. Heroin and OxyContin are chemically similar drugs. On a molecular level, they are almost identical, so both are considered to be very difficult to withdraw from. What's even worse, OxyContin, which is prescribed for pain, is fueling a heroin epidemic in America. In 2012, there was an estimated 2.1 million people in the United States suffering from substance use disorders related to prescription opioid pain relievers and an estimated 467,000 people addicted to heroin. According to the American Association of Addiction Medicine, in 2012, 259 million prescriptions were written for opioids, which is more than enough to give every American adult their own bottle of pills. Four in five new heroin users started out misusing prescription painkillers. As a consequence, the rate of heroin overdose deaths nearly quadrupled from 2000 to 2013. During this 14-year period, the rate of heroin overdose showed an average increase of 6% per year from 2000 to 2010, followed by a larger average increase of 37% per year from 2010 to 2013. 94% of respondents in a 2014 survey of people in treatment for opioid addiction said they chose to use heroin because prescription opioids were far more expensive and harder to obtain. There is pretty compelling data that indicates a strong connection between OxyContin and a rise in heroin abuse. Now, let's take a look at the most commonly used conventional treatment for heroin. 
methadone, which is a slow-acting opioid agonist, an agonist being a medication that activates opioid receptors, is one of the most commonly used treatments for heroin addiction. Methadone itself is an opioid drug and is also addictive. It has painful withdrawal symptoms much like heroin. As with other opioid drugs, methadone abuse can lead to addiction, overdose, and even death. So I would like to leave you with a second question. Why would you treat heroin addiction with another addictive opioid drug? Now I want to introduce you to ibogaine, a psychoactive compound derived from the roots of the West African shrub iboga. Iboga is an extremely visionary plant medicine that has been used for thousands of years for spiritual development and as a rite of passage into adulthood by the Bwiti tribe of West Gabon. In 1992, Deborah Mash, a neuroscientist researching addiction at the University of Miami, heard rumblings that ibogaine was a miracle cure for addiction and traveled to the Netherlands to observe the effectiveness of ibogaine detox trials on addicts. I saw people who were at the end of the rope, look like new human beings, no signs of withdrawal, and ready to change their life, Mash said. And I thought, what does that teach us about the brain? I need to know. After being rejected by the National Institute on Drug Abuse for funding to continue human ibogaine trials, Mash opened a private clinical research center on the Caribbean island of St. Kitts in 1996, where she treated more than 300 patients with ibogaine and collected data for almost a decade. The thing we learned straight away was that ibogaine detox was 98% effective for opiate withdrawals, Mash said, of its short-term detoxification rate. I couldn't believe it. So I'd like to leave you with a third question. Given the high rate of success Iboga-based therapies have in breaking addiction, why are Iboga and Ibogaine categorized as Schedule One drugs in the United States? Resources and people mentioned in the episode can be found in the show notes at entheonation.com slash 23. If you know anybody who can benefit from this information, please share this interview with your friends and family and social networks. It could save somebody's life. Don't forget to stick around until the very end for our medicine music for the soul, the groovy, high-vibe, aloha-filled sound of Mary Isis from beautiful Big Island, Hawaii. If you would like to receive a free transcript of this episode, it is super easy. Simply text Entheonation, that is E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. Just reply to the SMS with your best email to get access to premium content that's only available to bona fide citizens of Entheonation. If you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review the show in iTunes, as this will increase Entheonation's visibility in the iTunes marketplace and help get this life-changing information out to the people who need it. Now on to the show. Hello, Visionary Tribe of Entheonation. This is Lorna Liana here today with a a visionary couple who's going to share with us the book that they have written about their quest for a visionary, obscure, and sacred plant medicine called Iboga from Central West Africa. And so I'm here today with Chor Boogie, who is a world-renowned spray paint artist, color shaman, and Renaissance psychonaut. His partner, Elizabeth Bast, serves as a writer, poet, yoga a teacher, fusion, temple dancer, and musician. Now, Elizabeth's book, 
heart medicine tells the story of their quest for Ibaga as their bid to find the cure to Chor's addiction and to save their marriage. So thank you so much for uh, being here with me today, Chor and Elizabeth, and to share with us your story. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Lorna. So I would love to hear about how your journey with Ibaga began. Sure. Well, (laughs) a little over two years ago, Chor confessed to me that he had had a heroin relapse. And we'd been together a long time at that point. We'd been together six years and he was sober when I met him, militantly sober. And I saw a very long-term, slow change, the reintroduction of alcohol and ultimately heroin. And at that time, you know, I, I took a day of just really being in shock and in, in the back of my mind, really buried under a lot of layers. Uh, I remembered Iboga in that moment. I couldn't even remember how I knew about it or where I'd heard about it. It came from the depths and that led me to the quest of research. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of questions. And there were moments I I didn't know that we'd make it there, but that's, that's how it started. Mm. Yeah. I'd heard that it was very effective for addiction specifically opiate addiction, among others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I met a couple of guys in Thailand who were running an Ibogaine treatment center, and these guys were like party animals. And then they discovered Ibogaine, and basically both guys just totally cleaned up, got super healthy, didn't, they don't even drink anymore. It was amazing. So when I heard their story, I I found myself to be really intrigued. And that's why I'm really interested to have more stories about Ibaga and uh, to hear about, you know, how to work with Ibaga, especially around the treatment of really difficult addictions, because I, there are some types of drugs out there, where once you become addicted, it, it seems like it's a lifelong struggle to stay, you know, on the wagon. So, Chor, I would love for you to share with us what your experience has been like as an heroin addict, because it sounded like you were quite, you know, strict and militant and on the wagon, and then you had a relapse. So, if you can help us understand what it's really like for people that are struggling with this disease, and then also for you, Elizabeth, to share with us, you know, how it is as um, to, to, to witness your loved one struggling with this, because it doesn't just affect the person who's addicted it affects their family and, you know, everyone around them. So, uh, Chor, please share with us if you feel inclined. When it comes to damaging your heart, mind, body, and soul with substances, it's like pretty much the worst thing you can ever do to you. And a brief history of myself is I was a addict at a young age and and was damaging myself at a young age. And then from there, like, you know, jails, institutions and death, all that stuff, you know, took place in my life. And from there, it was like I decided to take it, take it upon myself. Well, through the help of a recovery system to 
get clean. And I stayed clean for like 13 years. And that's like, like Elizabeth put it, being militant about it. Yes, I was. I was very in love with my life at that, at that point. And then, you know, I built up my career, my art career and everything. And, and it started taking me to certain places and certain levels of my life that just exposed me back to that, uh, you could say, demon. Once I did that, then, you know, it just, it, it, over time, it just gradually grew back into heroin. And then from there, I knew I was, I was going to lose everything. And I, I couldn't do that, especially my wife and mainly myself. I was going to lose myself and lose my career and lose everything. And so, like I said, I knew I wasn't going to stay there. So I confessed everything to my wife. And then, like, you know, and then Iboga all of a sudden came into the picture, you know, and I heard about it two years prior to that. And from a friend of mine, I didn't really care for it at that point. But if it was once, once I did the research and everything on it, then there was a calling there. There definitely was a calling there. But being an addict and dependent on a substance daily is form of mental slavery, physical slavery. It's not the truth. It's not your truth. And it's, it's definitely designed to kill you. Especially if you abuse it, you can you can put these certain like heroin and cocaine, certain substances in, in, into a plant medicine category. But they're but if they're used in a in a different context, but they have been manipulated to the point where you become dependent on them. And like I said, you know, I, I was doing it at a young age and then grew out of it, found it again because there was something. Something in there, in there that wasn't letting me let it go. And so, but once I found that boga, and once we found that boga, it was like, geez, 24 hours, transformation. One of the best things that ever happened in my life. So yeah. I want to ask you, for those of you in the audience who aren't aware of what Iboga is, what is Iboga exactly? Is it a bark? Is it a root? Is it a tree? Iboga is a, it's a plant medicine. It is a real plant medicine that, is, that, that comes from Gabon, Africa. It is the shavings of a root that take you to the spirit world. Let's just say that. And I can, I can go into the whole story behind it and how it was founded and everything when it comes to the bui tea. Wrapping it up in a nutshell, yes, it is a bark. And that's it. And it will take you to places that you have never gone before. <laughs> and it's different from ibogaine. Oh, yeah. Ibogaine is a 110%. pharmaceutical extract mm -hmm. of the single alkaloid that's very effective at detox. So that's more often held in the medical model that you'll find of treatment. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, I know Dimitri... Some people will use it with some guidance, a shamanic guidance. And the iboga has a whole complex chemical profile with multiple alkaloids that are working in concert. And Whoa. that's more often held in the shamanic traditions, primarily the Buiti. And it originated from the Pygmy people in Africa who shared it. They allowed it to, to go out. 
So they, they've been using it for countless years since prehistory. We don't really know exactly yeah. how long it's been in use, perhaps tens of thousands of years. We, we don't know. Uh, for initiation and spiritual awakening and all different forms of healing, the shamans will use it for to help them diagnose and to heal. But also every young person as they're coming into adulthood has an initiation ceremony. And to circle back to your question, Lorna, you were asking how it was for me mm-hmm. and witnessing it from the other side. And what I saw, you know, Chor is extremely passionate about his art. I have really never seen anybody work so hard. Uh, I would see him work on paintings and murals for 12 or 14 hours straight without eating or drinking to the point where his, you know, his hands are gnarled <laughs> from this love of what he does, a genuine love for making art. But then I saw an overworking that was very dangerous with a lack of balance uh, for nutrition and rest and spiritual practice and connection. And then I saw the alcohol be reintroduced. And as soon as the alcohol came back in, I saw that he wasn't drinking in a healthy way. It was really excessive and dangerous. And I had to draw limits. And he began to drink more heavily on work trips. There was more and more travel, more and more work, more and more social gatherings with the mingling and and I saw this teasing of the ego, which can happen as people become really accomplished with what they do or some notoriety. And that's that's a lot for a human being to hold at times. So I saw it all spiral out. That was just my perception and I began to feel just more and more um, concern and yet love and guided every day to stay so and then we made it from there that I, I really didn't think I would ever be involved with a narcotics addict I thought that I'm, I'm out that would that would have me out in a second and in that moment when he confessed to me I went into communion with spirit I just prayed and the words were pray wait and listen that came to me and that's what I did so when you just you know started to do your research about Ibaga, where did you finally end up deciding to do it? Because isn't it illegal in the United States? It is. It's sadly even you know, it's a Schedule One substance, which is supposedly no medical value and the highest criminal penalties. Even for Bwiti practitioners, who you know their tradition has been using it forever, even for you know, the Ibogaine, it's illegal for medical professionals who are proficient. It's illegal for everyone. The research is illegal here, which is... It's really because it works. <laughs> it, 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 it works. It's because it works and the pharmaceutical companies would lose all of their revenue from the ineffective alternatives that they provide. People on yeah, methadone exactly. for 20 years yeah. or drug replacement therapy. And it's it, it definitely is participatory. It's not a hundred percent sure thing, but that's what helps it to mature our consciousness is that it is participatory, takes preparation, participation and integration. You know, there's a whole bigger picture to working with that medicine. So it is illegal here. And 
I looked, we looked at different ibogaine clinics, and we also looked at some providers who were working with the shamanic model and the total alkaloid plant medicine. I read a lot of reviews. We looked at a lot of video testimonials, and ultimately we were going on intuition. You know, there's a lot of different kind of people in the world who can have success with different kinds of providers and different containers of treatment and it's so important to do a lot of research on the facts but then for us to move with our intuition plus i'm pretty hardcore so i needed something hardcore to really get me back on track (laughs) what do you mean by hardcore like hardcore in a ceremonial standpoint like three days of ibiga consumption or hardcore just because of the medicine itself and how intense it is like I take it to the extreme. I take it to the extreme everything. when I'm uh, everything, and I needed something extreme to put me back in my place. Well, ultimately, we we chose to go with a shaman named Muganda. Yeah, from my brother. He is from Gabon, Africa, and what we learned from him, a tenth generation shaman. He's had Bwiti shaman multiple initiations since he was twelve years old. Yeah and working with very old medicine that is grown in ceremony, that is processed in ceremony, that is sent in ceremony. He had then spent time in New York City and taught himself to work with addicts with a lot of experience. Uh, He was guided there by the medicine, and I, I appreciated that he had a sense of American and Western culture that we could communicate with him very fluidly. I mean, that was, that was a gift. That was a, so the bigger picture and some of the video testimonials from people coming out of there touched my heart and resonated very deeply. And one thing I talk about in the book is, you know, navigating when there are negative things said about a provider on the internet, uh, those aren't always pure and not always relevant. You know, so I I had to navigate certain concerning things on the Internet about him. And and ultimately, you know, I I think that happens to everyone at a certain point of shine in the world. You know, if you're if you're doing what you need to do and getting a lot of attention and being very effective, you know, and it's not right for everybody. So I prayed about all of it. And the, the positive definitely overwhelms those uh, negative bits, and I had to really question those, all sides of those things. So that's what led us to Muganda, and ultimately, he was the one that could speak to him. I, I haven't, I haven't heard you really like listen to someone in a place of teaching like that ever since I've known you. Not, not to that degree. And it was right. Also, the- uh, it, it, was, it was like it was like this. It was like. I had to get re-rooted. I had to get rooted. And, you know, my my roots, my blood roots come from Africa. So, you know, listening to Magunda was like listening to my dad and my grandfather. I even told Magunda that because when, he, when we were doing the fire ceremonies and everything, you know, I was like, man, I'm having a crazy deja vu right now because it's like, well, you know, I've heard all this before. I've heard all this from my grandfather, from my dad, from my uncles and stuff. And, you know, and they were just basically tools to guide me through the spirit world. Yeah. The, those, and in life. Those, yeah. those, those teachings really work 
with the medicine. Yeah, they activate the, the medicine. They help people to navigate <laughs> the medicine, and I could see that as well. He he, he had a profound sense of deja vu of coming mm. home that was unique for him. And I also did the medicine because I learned it was very good for PTSD. And that was something that I had been struggling with. I'd been through other medicine experiences and still had this deeply rooted shield, like just so, so protective. And it was painful to carry that, that caution all the time and that, that fear. And uh, so that's what led me there. So I had a different Feeling. I definitely felt so, so grateful, so resonant. It's the primary medicine that guides me now. Um, so we, we approached it for different reasons. And, and that was really amazing. I, I felt his ancestors when we were there. I felt his ancestors like a stadium rooting for him on the spiritual levels of just like, welcome home. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So even though, That's what it was. you know, my, my, welcome back. my roots are, <laughs> are in Europe and, and a lot of native American ceremony. I grew up with native American ceremony and, and that set a foundation for me to be open to other forms of medicine and ceremony. So I definitely appreciated it. I love that medicine, but it was awesome to watch his process and feel his process with it. So I'd love to learn more about the ceremony itself. So the two of you went in together or were you doing the medicines separately in different rooms? You know, oh, right. tell, tell us everything about exactly how it went down. Oh, it's both because, mm -hmm. well, we, we were next to each other for two ceremonies in an eight day retreat, but Mugenda made this very clear and this was resonant for us that you have to go in for yourself. You have to go in for yourself. And you Most you definitely. are working on yourself in order to have a healthy relationship. You work on yourself. Yeah. So he said, tonight you're divorced, and tomorrow you can be together. But tonight that was more like towards our second ceremony. You. Yeah, but well, like both. yeah, but when when our first ceremony, like I didn't know what to expect because I went in there scared as fuck. Really, I was really scared, and because I didn't know what the hell was going to happen, I started seeing stuff online about people dying and stuff, and just bad experiences. You know, not not bad experiences, dying but like literally or figuratively. Literally, oh yeah. There's there's a lot of cases on the internet. Not a lot. There's some cases some on the cases. internet that Which, there are deaths. Yeah, and what that was part of our research was learning. You know, this is one of the most volatile and complex plant medicines that we know of, you know, that they're letting out of the jungle, at least. You gotta take it's, it serious. It's very intense and intricate with the heart. So what we learned was that in those cases, you know, especially if you look at the study done by Kenneth Alpert and his associates over two decades, looking at all the deaths from Iboga and Ibogaine, is that it was mixed with contraindicated drugs. Yeah. It was held by inexperienced people. Yeah. It was the wrong dose. It was contraindicated medical conditions. People not knowing what they were doing and being alone. Love this episode? You can receive the transcript for free by simply texting Entheonation, that's E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, -E -E to the number 44222. 
All you need to do is to reply to the SMS message with your best email address, and we'll send you the transcript and our guide to navigating visionary states for free as a VIP citizen of Entheo Nation. By themselves alone. Some were all alone with massive doses, or there were inexperienced providers, or contraindicated medical condition or contraindicated drugs. They were mixing it with other things that have a reaction with Iboga. So there were these different reasons. And it's still, you know, the, the field is still on the frontier. Like people are still learning a lot about it. I just went to the Global Ibogaine Therapy Conference this last year, which was amazing. All kinds of doctors and scientists and Bwiti, shamanic people there together sharing information because, you know, there's there's still a lot to learn. For example, uh, the traditional shamanic community, especially from Africa, might not be familiar with some of the medical conditions or pharmaceutical drugs that we're dealing with in the West. So important to know those interactions. And then the scientific community, the medical community has a lot to learn about the shamanic technologies from the people that have been honed for thousands of years. So there's still some things to learn. And sadly, you know, what can happen sometimes is that a really great provider, this happened to a friend of ours in Canada where the medicine is unregulated, as someone came in and wasn't honest about a medical condition that was really important. And it sent him into an arrhythmia and into the emergency room because they weren't forthright. You know, someone really wants to get treated and they're not being honest. So once in a while, these kinds of things will happen or some someone who's struggling with addiction, sneaking in drugs and not giving the medicine a chance to work. And it's fatal, you know, to take opiates after iboga, the ceremonial dose of iboga is in your system. Um, So sometimes these things can happen even with really great protocol. I I feel like the community is getting better and better and better all the time at developing safe protocol. Prohibition is a tremendous obstacle. You know, prohibition is, is stunting research. It's stunting the flow of information and what we can learn. So a little bit about the dangers. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it sounds kind of very similar to ayahuasca. And so the, the Iboga conference was produced by ICERS, which is based here in Barcelona. And they also do the ayahuasca conference. So I'll be going to the world ayahuasca conference in October. And it does sound like too, you know, uh, in a similar way, you know, it is a, a mix of, you know, medical researchers and, you know, doctors and scientists and, shamans, you know, because there's so much uh, information sharing that needs to be done. So going back to that, you know, ceremony that you participated in, uh, can you describe what that was like? Was that a traditional ceremony? Oh, yeah, most definitely was a traditional ceremony, mm-hmm. even though it took place in Costa Rica, but we've been to actual real ceremony. We went to Africa. After, this was six after, months after. yeah, like eight months. Gabon. Yeah, we went yeah. to Gabon. Yeah, we went to Gabon. Oh. After, after his healing. And joined the tribe. 
Yeah, we joined the Bwiti. She went through the rite of passage. I went through the rite of passage. We both went through the initiation, and we also got married out there, you know, in a real wedding. So getting down to the nitty-gritty of the, of the actual ceremony, you're talking about, like, from 7 at night to 7 in the morning in Africa. Yeah. Time. Cause it. Oh, it was more like a. It's um, longer than a peyote ceremony, and those are long. <laughs> and it's like it's like a it's it's like a freight train on a roller coaster ride on a rocket ship on a rocket ship. Those yeah, ceremonies like that's what it is. It's like you know you're moving with spirits and you're dancing all night and you're you're dressed up Bwiti style and you know it's it really the whole temple turns into like a freaking rocket ship so it's like so is there drumming for example is there, is there singing non-stop music singing all night or iraq are all the, are is the tribe also eating ibigo with you or are you only the one the only ones eating ibigo you know, pretty much everybody gets a ceremonial dose, but during initiation, when you when you go through initiation, that's when they really they pump you up, they they pump you up full of medicine, and then they um yeah blast off. <laughs> Vomit. You can. Yeah. Oh well, the the ceremony in Costa Rica was also a traditional ceremony, but it was just Mugenda and one apprentice. So it was very simple, but they used all the ceremonial elements. They're working with the spirits. It starts with a ritual fire and oral transmission from this oral tradition and specific kinds of shamanic guidance and protection, spiritual protection. So it was very, very simple, but still traditional. And then in Africa, it was just opulent it was it, it was very powerful, real deal. very collective but yeah it can definitely make you throw up you know even though he was there to detox i threw up like six or seven times you would have thought she was detoxing <laughs> yeah but I was, though what i was but she detoxing was, yeah. was my addiction you to you could detox for somebody else you know easily that you know and, we, and what i realized is how much our lives were connected on very subtle levels and I, I was addicted to negative thoughts and resentment and fears and on very deep habitual levels. Iboga made me more aware of my mind more than any other medicine. I'm really grateful for all of my medicine experiences but Iboga was such a, an initiation of really what's happening on all the layers of the mind from conscious to unconscious. And I realized every thought we have can produce biochemical poison or biochemical medicine, cortisol, adrenaline, or it can produce oxytocin, right? It can really produce these different elixirs in the body. And, and so I had, I had a lot of those toxins stored up in me and they were they were all all coming out. I realized a lot of my habitual thoughts, you know, were very powerful. Like Mugenda says, look at any skyscraper around you. They all started with a thought. That's how thoughts can manifest in the world in a very concrete level. Um, I realized how my thoughts were affecting my relationship and my life and how many of my decisions were fear-based, you know, despite my good intentions. So it really helped to rewire in a positive way. 
it's a good it's a good navigational tool like especially after you go through ceremony and after you do medicine it's like you know you're you're you learn how to control your mind and not let your mind control you and navigate through life easier sort of yeah when it when it comes to the the ceremonies yes they deal with all the elements and the senses and you are definitely schooled in all those areas of importance because they are important when you really think about it and you really look at it and versus the day-to-day matrix that we live in Mm -hmm. and how that manipulates us and controls us when like i said before you have to get rerooted, get rooted to really understand yourself, what's going on within. Then you know how to focus on the outside and navigate and control your life more, better. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful medicine, and but you also you also have to participate and make it happen. You have to participate in your own recovery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I took I took recovery tools that I learned from uh, being in 12-step programs and all that stuff in the past, the lessons that I learned from my grandfathers and fathers, then the lessons that I learned from Agunda. I took all those tools and combined them into one. And when I went in to the spirit world to heal myself, I had to do a lot of cleaning up in there. And when I did that, I noticed things getting lighter and lighter because it was just a darkness. I was consumed by darkness. And once I started getting rid of the darkness, like I can give you an example. Like I became a superhero within myself called Love Man. I had a cape and everything. (laughs) And I went in and I saw all this demonic, like just, craziness, dark, darkness, the darkness, the nothing. And it grabbed a piece of it. And it was just like a little like negativity. It's like a little sign that said negativity or drugs or, you know, fear. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? And like some trash can popped up and I threw it in the trash can. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not good enough. And then like some uh, gas can and a lighter popped up and I poured gasoline on it set it on fire. I was like, no, 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 that's still not good enough. Then a grenade formed in my hand and then threw it in there and it just blew up. I said, now there you go. And then it just turned into some form of like mental video game. And I'm just grabbing all this negativity and darkness. I'm grabbing, I'm doing some real cleaning. I'm shoving it in the trash can and just blowing, set it on fire and blowing it up. And it was doing that the entire ceremony, the entire night. Like in the corner, in the periphery, in my, in my peripheral vision. And I started noticing the darkness start turning into like a light red and getting like really clean and just transforming my life like no other. And I've tried all the other plant medicines. Nothing compares. I'm not saying that they don't do what they're supposed to do because all plant medicines are in cahoots and they're all... They're all, they all work together. And they're helpful and, and at different times, too. Yeah. Yeah. For, for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. But this plant medicine really 
brought me back. It actually it like brought me back to the point where like I left off at when before I started going back into lesson, as I call it. And and then some, yeah. We, you know, it's a plant medicine, like we were just talking about. It's it does brain surgery and heart surgery at the same time. Soul surgery. Mm. Well, actually, no, your soul is infinite. So it's like you actually connect with your soul, and when you connect with your soul, you're home. And when you make amends with your soul, you are like your gold. So. I had to do that. Once I made amends with my soul, with myself, I was like, wow. It was like finding my brother, like finding my inner brother. Yeah, and, and it just, um, and he forgave me. He forgave me, but he said, don't do it again. I'm going to fuck you up. That's what he said. <laughs> <gasps> wow. So I'm just going to like, you know, highlight and, you know, for that, for what you just said for all of us here, making amends with your soul. Mm. And you know, when, when I hear that, it makes me realize too, you know, that is in a sense, like the core of, of true healing, because when we are fragmented for whatever reasons, through whatever traumas that we've gone in life, and we're not um, in alignment with our soul, and we're, we're maybe even in, in a, you know, just in an adversarial relationship with our soul, then there's so much, you know, pain, and there's, and you know, so much uh, negativity can come in from that, from emotional pain to, you know, psychological imbalances and, and addictions even. So making amends with your soul, I like that a lot. And then when, it, and not to cut you off, but when it comes to negativity and, you know, I developed a way that, you know, helps me navigate through negativity because negativity is not going anywhere. You need a, there's a balance in life. And you just need to know how to control that negativity. Just like how you control the positive things in your life, you can control the negative things in your life. So whenever, you know, I had that negative thought or something negative happens, I am like, you know, I basically just say, next, next, keep it simple. And then it, it just, it goes away. Jedi training is every day. It's Bwiti Jedi training. <laughs> it's the OG Jedi training. Yeah. <laughs> next, next. Even if I have to keep it on repeat, as long as it's gone. And it goes. It goes just like that. It's that simple. It's that simple. We tend to over overcomplicate things. And we need to really understand that we can it, it's 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 right in front of our face. It's right there. We can do it. It's Next. All right. So I just want to be mindful of time because there's a, a few more questions I want to ask you. And one really juicy one that I know that my the audience will, of Entheonation will absolutely love. What is the difference between ayahuasca ceremony and ibiga ceremony? I, I went through ayahuasca ceremony once or twice a year for the good part of a decade before coming to Iboka and the the ceremonies that I went to were with a Brazilian maestro and the person that an, a, another person that he 
trained and empowered sometimes. And it's such a different spirit. You know, Aya is so feminine and really helps clear a lot of blockages in my body and awaken Kundalini and feel a, a true primal healthy sense of my womanhood and femininity. So it was very healing to the body. And the Iboga is it for me, well, they say it's a dual gender spirit, that it can be the father or the mother. And they, they also call it the godfather medicine in, in that it's the dreamer, the progenitor of all sacred medicines. That a lot started with that plant. And it is, it's more the ceremony itself feels more of a masculine spirit also in ways so that's what the difference for me. I used to think she was crazy when she used to talk about ayahuasca all the time. Because like I was I was not about I was like you know, I was on my militant sober life and I was like, nah sober. you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah. I'm not even no, I'm not gonna do that. Never. And I was I was I'm not I'm not about the psychedelic life, even though I've experienced a lot of LSD and mushrooms and stuff my whole life. Well, not my whole life, but in the in my younger life. But when I first did ayahuasca with her, you know, one time it opened up a door for me to where I, I felt I felt like it opened up a door for me to where I, I relapsed. And because I felt like, oh, you know, I, I guess I must have felt so good that I was just like, oh, well, well, maybe I can get away with this then, you know, and started, you know, partying a little bit more. And I'm not placing blame on ayahuasca, but I'm just I'm saying that's what happened because it literally did after after I did it, you know. One but, thing that came up in conversation was that, you know, with my ayah teacher and also yeah, with him, but, was that maybe the ayah was awakening something that would lead him to a deeper healing that he needed. And that's what that's the what picture. that's what happened. She she uh, the shaman woman that brought us to the the ayahuasca ceremony. She brought that to her attention, and what she said was, you know, these plants work in mysterious ways, pretty much. You know, so it's basically like I said earlier that they they're in cahoots because it's like ayahuasca led me to iboga you know and so you you ask the difference the difference between ayahuasca and iboga is is 110 percent different you know like i said i only tried ayahuasca one time and i think i'm good on that one but like it didn't bring me there as much as it as iboga did because i'm a visual person i'm an artist like i need to see this shit i need to see it can be, you visual. know, and I understand ayahuasca can be visual, and there there was some it was it was visual in a different context, but iboga was real, like it was so real that I was just like, is it really fucking happening? Is this really good happening right now? I couldn't believe it. Well, there was something very special and destined with him and iboga. For me, I feel a, a resonance and a connection to different plant medicines at different times, and especially because we can't get iboga here. Like, I'll go sit in Native American church with Wachuma and feel iboga through Wachuma. You know, that's how I work with it. And there was something remarkable with their connection that was ancient. It was it's really roots. Amazing. It's roots. It's African roots. Like, I, it's, there's no doubt about it. You know, it's it's in my blood. It's in everybody's blood. All these plant medicines are within everybody. They, they help create us, you know. So we have a relationship with them that we need to acknowledge and 
these freaking pharmaceutical companies and these devils that just want to keep you blind. You know, you can go ahead and stay blind. But if you feel a calling to wanting to or needing to heal yourself, they're put here for a reason. They're put here to wake you up and take the red pill. Take the red pill because you will wake up and under, understand, overstand yourself, like I said, 110%. One reason I wrote the book was that it was because I was telling people, you know, this medicine saved my husband's life. And 90% of the people I talked to had never heard of it. Mm. They had no idea. And, you know, it was very volatile. The friend, he learned about it from oh, originally. Yeah had a very, you know, not a positive experience. And no, he was, no. a, a, well, he was a, approaching it, I feel like, without ceremony, without respect, without knowledge. He did that. That was and the thing he did. It wasn't an ideal situation. The medicines will not be exploited. Yeah. So we want to help educate people yeah. and help keep people safe and, and help support people in understanding the best ways to approach this medicine. And, you know, I just want to mention that the book is not just a chronicle of addiction and recovery. No, that's, see, that's a part of it. Yeah. A book is not okay. Yeah. It'll help you with your addiction, but it's going to help you with everything that you're addicted to. You know what I mean? Everything. So it's like, it's going to heal you, heal more than just your addiction. If you let it, it helped to heal our relationship. You know, yeah. our, our book is oh my gosh. just to say, <laughs> It's a love story. Yeah. It's, a, it's a love story. And that was one of the things that the medicine wanted to help heal for us was intimacy, sensuality, sexuality, sacred union. And, you know, I, I noticed that most of the books out are written by Western men in the, the world of psychedelic literature. And this is definitely from the voice of the feminine, there was a lot of transmissions in my vision about the divine feminine and love. So that that rich element is there. And there's also a communication between Ariboga experiences and the teachings we've had with yoga, meditation, tantra. That's there's a rich cross pollination that's happening there too. It's 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 not a magic bullet. It works if you work it. And the thing is, is like, you know, people people have these expectations. You need to learn to let the expectations go because yeah. and really understand that, you know, it's, it's deeper than your expectation. And you need to really learn yourself in order to heal yourself. So, you know. Like, like she brought up a friend of mine that that's how I found out about it beforehand was that he ordered it online and which is, a, which is a <laughs> no, no, because you got to go through the ceremonial context, the ceremonial container in order for this to really work, you know, and he did all that. He did that. And, you know, just to get off heroin and, you know, it worked for him, but it didn't work for him because he didn't have that container and and, and the shamanic ways, and then it ended up kicking his ass in the long run because he thought he had a magic bullet that every time he uh, that he could he can mess around or party a little bit, and I got this magic bullet over here. 
straighten me right out. No, yeah. no, no. That's and a big was, no, no. He was trying to manipulate in the medicine. Yeah. To the medicine's like impure ends. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something. I'm gonna teach you a little something, my friend. And it it it, it really it did a number on him. But that said, it's beautiful medicine in the right hands. So um, how complete was the healing from heroin addiction for you? You know, speaking of the magic bullet thing, like, is it something where you feel like you've gone through one ceremony and now you were like done with heroin? Or is it going to take a couple or more ceremonies to really get it fully out of your system? 110% 110% within 24 hours, I was done because like, you know, I also, I also think, or I also know that like the clean time that I had before the 13 years also played a, played a major role in it, into it. And then I went back into lesson for five years, you know, abusing myself. But once, once I got back on track, it was like, it was like I said, it was like within 24 hours, I was a brand new person. And, you know, the addiction, everything was just like, you know, the cravings or whatever, it was gone. They, they were just, they were gone. And, and I saw. Yeah. What I saw, Lorna. <laughs> we walked in there with this toxic possessed Goliath. Like I, he was, his soul was so polluted. I could barely recognize him and his behavior, could barely recognize him in his face. And 24 hours after that first journey, it looked like he had 10 facials and just did a triathlon and his eyes were clear. He looked 10 years younger and I could see his spirit again. I do feel that um, the second journey, you know, the first journey was the detox for both of us. And the second journey was a crystalline, clear transmission of the way of the deeper teachings from the spirit world. You know, so when we were clean, we could enter that place. But it was also very helpful to connect with our Buiti community and to go to Africa six months later and to continue to work with the medicine very periodically to stay connected. So it's a bigger picture of community. You know, community is so important to be able to talk to people about what we went through and integrate. Yeah, and then, but one of the major factors, and this is one of the weaky ways, is that during that process, and it also came to me intuitively too, that I had to get honest with myself and real truthful and tell the truth about everything in order for this medicine to work. And once I did that, flying colors, I was, like I said, 24 hours. But definitely, Elizabeth brings up a good point. Integration, when it comes to integration into the matrix, <laughs> uh, the, the world. Did you say the hatrix? No, the, the matrix. matrix. The matrix, but okay, but that's a good one too. The matrix and the hatrix, right? The rat race, the conditioning. The, the yeah. integration is definitely key and it's definitely important because it's like you're, you're reborn again. You're like a, born, re, a new baby. This is some of his integration yeah. here behind us peak of one of the one of the three paintings he painted straight off the bat Mm -hmm. the first one is on the book cover i wrote the book like these are great forms of our integration so yeah i know yeah actually actually uh aubrey aubrey marcus just he just blessed himself with uh, one of those paintings so 
Aubrey yeah. Marcus is the new owner of the Love yeah. Dance, which is on the cover of the, the cover book, of the book, which is yeah. amazing because a little magical story there was that his podcast with Joe Rogan was for us a pivotal factor in our journey to get to Iboga and to trust that medicine. And then he ended up, you know, and, and a big portion of that went to support MAPS because we yeah. gave 30% but, of that to MAPS mm -hmm. to support that research. So it's it's a magical story with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Part uh, of his integration. Their, their, their podcast really helped. And another another testimonial video by uh, one of my Buiti brothers, his name's Jeff, Jeff Cook who runs Iboga Wellness Center with his father, Gary Cook, and mm -hmm. another Buiti brother, Steve... I forgot Callahan. his name. Steve Callahan. Roots Healing. He's Roots Healing, and they run a good, nice, little tight ship out in uh, Costa Rica. Yeah. And, you know, his <laughs> testimony was, you know, something that I related to because we were... Five gram a day same. heroin addict at yeah. points. Five gram a day that yeah. recovered... With the medicine, yeah, and he recovered with the medicine, and that—that's—that's that's what really sold me. And then looking at Magunda's videos, testimonial videos, or his videos about um, Iboga House when it was around, I can just sense that he was a real dude. That he was the, the way he—he he is a real dude. That—that that had me going right there. But as I was saying before, integration is key. Meditation, yoga. Some simple things in life. Don't make it too complicated. It's not that hard. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up this interview. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I feel the love from both of you. And, uh, and I think it's really important for people to know that there are alternatives to the conventional ways of treating addiction. And that's something as powerful as this visionary plant medicine that has been used for thousands of years can mm. heal heroin addiction in, you know, one ceremony that, that, that we need to know that we need to know that yeah. that's there. Thank you. So how can people best stay in touch with you? You can find me on Instagram or all the social networks, you know, at Chor Boogie, C-H-O-R-B-O-O-G-I-E. Or you can just go to my website, choreboogie.com. That's how you can find me. Yeah. Or Google. Google. Google that name. Yeah. yeah. Likewise, I'm E Bast or E Nectar Bast on Instagram. I have a Facebook page and my website is E Bast, E B A S T dot net light network altogether. And there's also a page dedicated to Iboga where I keep fresh, very vital information and resources and links to organizations like MAPS and IC and Gita. They're all there. So if anyone's curious, also there's links to some providers that have trained through our shaman and just really, really useful info. And we'll also share that link uh, with us so we can include it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll also, we'll also be giving out, putting information on modern hieroglyphics. You can find that on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, Modern Hieroglyphics Magazine. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing, you can find Heart Medicine now on Amazon, on Barnes & Nobles, and Book Depository, which ships worldwide. And mm. there's links to that on my site as well. So it's a, from an independent press, so the reviews really help. Post about it on social media. It's great help to get this story of love and healing out there. It's the truth. Thank you so much, and you have a beautiful rest of your day.
Thank you. Thank you, too. You, too. Thank you, Lona. That was Chora Boogie and Elizabeth Bast. Please do check out their book, Heart Medicine, A True Love Story, One Couple's Quest for the Sacred Ibogam Medicine and the Cure for Addiction. Chora and Elizabeth are in a long-term training to become Ibogam providers and hope to be able to hold healing ceremonies for others someday. My takeaways from this interview are that Ibogam is an incredibly powerful plant medicine that must be approached with the right intention, respect, and preparation if you hope to fully receive its healing and wisdom. Now I am thrilled to share with you this uplifting track by Mary Isis called From the Inside. Visit entheonation.com slash 23 to discover her music and more. Now, if you like music you can trip to, don't forget to mosey on over to youtube.com slash entheonation to check out our shaman songs from the Amazon, as well as our curated fish picks and Grateful Dead jams. If you have any medicine music recommendations for us, I'm always thrilled to discover new musicians. Go to facebook.com slash entheonation and send us a message. Bye for now. Thank you.